With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour three. Greetings, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I'm happy to have you. I actually want to go see if, if Bud is back on the line here and take his call before I move on. Bud, you there? I am, Eric. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I was listening to your uh, comments about uh Hybrid vehicles. Let me tell you, my wife's car got totaled, and we bought a hybrid um, vehicle for her. And shortly after I did some research on these vehicles, I decided to trade it in and get a plug-in hybrid. And the cool thing about the plug-in hybrid, like you mentioned your friends, is it's got a dedicated battery for when you first start out in the morning. It'll give you 40 miles. Then after that, it switches over to the, the hybrid package, which is a separate battery and the uh, gasoline engine and that works until the next time you get home and you plug it in and and you take take off again with your your electric power from the first battery the cool thing about the first battery is you can program that as to when you want to utilize that so you can utilize it first thing when you leave in the morning or if you're going up into the mountains and you have a plug-in hybrid jeep or something like that you can go up into the mountains in your hybrid unit and then use your battery to go quietly through the woods. So there, there's some cool things about it, but the, the, the coolest thing about it is once a month we put gas in that thing. See, now I could go along with something like this. I, 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 and again, I'm, I'm not opposed to electric vehicles. They're just not for everybody. But something like this no. it really no. sounds impressive to me. Uh, if I can well, get my, my Denali in that way without the garbage GMC interface that doesn't use CarPlay. That's another story. I mean, I, I would gladly do something like that. Well, you mentioned the Toyota. You know, Mr. Toyota, Toyota has stepped down, and they've got a younger guy at the helm right now, but they only build one electric vehicle, and it's not available in the States uh, readily. Uh, the Toyota Prius has always been a hybrid, but they are deep into hydrogen fuel cells. So Mr. Toyota, who has stepped down, races on the weekends under a, a pseudonym. Uh, is that what it would be called? Under yes. an alias. Okay, he races sports cars. And he's got a hydrogen fuel cell-powered sports car, which is an internal combustion engine running off of hydrogen. And they no, have see, also started making... I'm sorry? No, no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. They, Toyota has also started making hydrogen fuel cells to power tractor trailers. The folks out in California, they're struggling with these... Uh, you know, these bands on gas or on uh, diesel tractor trailers, they're going to be able to put this unit in their truck along with an electric motor and, and not have to change anything else on the truck and run it on hydrogen. The only byproduct is water. I, I, I my sense of things, Bud, is that hydrogen is actually the future here. That when you read, for Absolutely. example, uh, science uh, fiction books, uh, futurist books, 
It's the advanced societies figure out how to harness the hydrogen, and I think we're we're headed in that direction. It makes sense. The most abundant element in the universe. Uh, the only byproduct is water. Now, of course, you know, the, the environmentalists will immediately say, well, now we're putting too much water out there and it's going to cause us problems somehow. Right. <laughs> They'll find a way to oppose it. But it makes sense to me that where we are, it, it's kind of like uh, it, it, it's like the subscriber services for TV right now. Like you can see there there's a nugget of an idea there. But we can't. This can't be the future we wind up at, where everybody's watching uh, different pay-per-view services. We're all going bankrupt five dollars at a time with all our streaming services to replace a cable package that actually served us pretty well. It's like an inter- intermediary point to something better, and I feel like that that's where we are with hybrids and plug-in hybrids and EVs. Is the, hydrogen is clearly the future, and we're just at this intermediate, messy point. Uh, and Toyota leading the way should be applauded instead of attacked. Absolutely. And what boggles my mind is 30 years ago, we had the Chevy Volt, V-O-L-T, and that, that car was the, the answer back then. It was an electric vehicle that had no, no, uh, no electrical connection to the wheels. It just ran an electric motor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when it, when it needed charged up, you put gasoline in it and it, char- you know, it ran your electric vehicle. And right. they just continued building. It was the strangest thing. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. It, it just the, the whole thing was weird. Listen, thanks very much for being patient with me and for, for getting on the phones with me. Tim, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Um, I just wanted to say your gentleman before kind of hit all my points. But I wanted to say, um, you know, back 20 years ago, I worked for Toyota Motor North America. I was a marketing manager, and I worked in the actual Prius marketing and Prius product planning planning team. And that was at a point when, you know, all of the so-called green-loving people in California, particularly a lot of stars, um, would always be calling on Toyota to, hey, let me borrow a a Prius so that I can go to the Oscars and be seen and make a green statement in my Prius. And, you know, the poster boy at that time was always Ed Bagley Jr. in his Mm -hmm. Prius or Prius borrowed from Toyota Motor North America. And... I find it very, you know, it reminds me that um, at that point in California, because you then had a growth in Prius sales, that then spurred California to open up the um, the high occupancy vehicle lanes for Prius drivers at that point, because Prius was so green and so noble and so worthy. Toyota was so green and so no, uh, noble and, and worthy at that point and celebrated. And at this point now, it, it, it kind of boggles my mind, the hypocrisy um, of the people who are supposed to be green. And, and I, think that, I think that you've got to truthfully break it apart. Um, you've, got, you've got environmentalists that mean well, and then you've got the liberal activists within the environmentalists who really just want to burn everything down. So it, yeah. it, I think you've got to separate the two. But there's, 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 there's hypocrisy in what I'm hearing because the company, one of the companies that has been the leader. And as you said, with the previous caller, um, Akio Toyota is definitely championing the idea of hydrogen powered combustion engines, which produce nothing but water. Um, but Toyota is being vilified for not going far enough to produce, as you've already said, um, vehicles that enrich China. Right. It, it makes no sense, and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Americans across the country are not dense, so dense that they don't see the truth. 
Um, Because if they're not, it it, it makes me fearful. I'm already fearful, Mm -hmm. and I hate to say it because I shouldn't be, but I'm already fearful for where the the country is going. But if, if, if Americans are not smart enough to be able to see hypocrisy in uh, at face value, um, and if you can't tell them anything, I'm a black male. And it's very, very difficult to tell black people anything about the truth that they will listen to. Because if it's not Democrat, they won't hear it. And, and, and it makes me very, very concerned. I, I, I once told uh, – I once told, and I'll be very quick. I'm sorry. I once told um, a, a relative of mine, look, when I was a kid back in the 70s, the population of African-American people in the U.S. is 13%. Today, the population of African-American people in the U.S. is 13%. When I was a kid, the population of Hispanic people in the U.S. was really, really tiny. Today, it's north of 25%. Now, Smart people would get the idea that a population with zero growth is declining. Populations with magnificent growth, like 25%, we are being swallowed up. But we can't, I can't tell black people this because there are certain arguments that they, they won't hear. And I'm just hoping that logic will somehow prevail across the board on all these issues, whether it's environmentalism, environmentalism whether it's whether you want an electric vehicle versus gas or, or any other thing, I'm, I'm hoping logic will prevail at some point. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm done. No, l- listen, uh, first of all, thank you very much for the phone call, Tim. Uh, very well said. And I got to tell you, I think that's happening. Uh, what, what a perfect segue into what else I want to talk about, because there actually is a great story out there uh, from the New York Times, no less, from Nate Cohen, their data analyst. The headline is Millennials are no exception. They've moved to the right. Listen to the subtitle. Over the last decade, almost every cohort of voters under 50 has shifted rightward. But there's more to Tim's point. Non-white voters, that is black and Hispanic in particular, are seeing some of the biggest shifts to the right. They're being driven right, not by economic issues, but by cultural issues. Both Hispanic and black voters are moving to the right. Hispanic voters at a faster rate than black voters. And for the longest time, liberal demographers claimed the shift in Hispanic voters was because the longer they stayed in the country, the more they identified as white. And they identify white voters with the Republicans, so they wanted to become Republicans because they wanted to identify white we see this now so much in coverage around the country from the left of uh, black people and Hispanic people, if they vote Republican, can be white supremacists, even though they're not white. What's actually happening is the cultural critiques of the left by the right are disproportionately playing well with black and Hispanic voters who tend, it's not a coincidence, to be the most religious voters in the country. They tend to be the people who live by faith. They tend to be the people who go to church the most, more than white people. And the cultural progressivism of the left is turning a lot of these people to the right. Now, 
I'm going to go on and take a time out here because I actually want to spend some time on the this article. It's pretty impressive, the data of what's going on. It's being missed by the left. And also, you should know, in Philadelphia, they had big elections this week for mayor. And again, black voters, to the extent they turned out, they voted for the more conservative candidate. And progressives are starting to hear alarm bells going off, and they don't know what to do about it because they've so been poisoned by intersectionality. We'll discuss this when we get back. Well, there it is happening right now. Apple's AR VR headset. They're calling it the Vision Pro. That's the name. Wow. Looks impressive. We'll have one in the office. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let, I want to I want to take one more phone call. Let's make this the last phone call on, on the hybrid EV stuff. This topic generates a lot of uh, you all have strong opinions on it. I want to get to the generational and, and the racial shift in voting. But let, let's finish up with Bob here on this. Bob, welcome to the show. Hold on, Eric. I got to take you off speakerphone. That's all right. Um, my point was, and I like the idea about the hydrogen. The question or the point I want to make is, how does government incentivize the, this people to uh, adopt or go to higher mileage vehicles? And thought is, if they were to offer like a 5% write-off on the total cost each year for five years for vehicles of any type of power, uh, hydrogen, gasoline, or electric that gets, say, 40 miles to the gallon or more, for the first five years of ownership, you can deduct 5% of the gross in cost of that off your gross income for the highest mileage of 40 miles to the gallon or more, and a lower percentage for each year thereafter for lower mileage vehicles. Um, or do the same with a lease. Or I'm sorry, interest. If you write off, you could write off the interest on it for five years fully, but a low percentage if the mileage is less that you're going to get. So you could have 40 miles as a threshold, 30 miles as a threshold, 25 miles as a threshold, and below a certain mileage, you pay a penalty for a gas guzzler. That would give people a freedom of choice. They can get a hydrogen-powered car and get a better write-off because it gets a higher mileage equivalent or electric or gasoline. The government right now is mandating and saying, this is what you're going to get. I don't like that. I'd like to have choice. And by giving an incentive broken down by how efficient the item is, <clears throat> even in like home improvements, Right. If you put in a, a Category A home improvement, here's how much you get to deduct each year for five years. If it's a B, it's less. If it's a C, it's a less. That gives people some freedom of choice. I would not be surprised if we see uh, the government go this way. The, the government, liberals and conservatives, Republicans and Democrats alike, love to use the tax code as a way to incentivize behavior. And one of the issues that we're going to have to deal with here pretty soon, Bob, in fact, a lot of states are already dealing with it, is also what to do with the gas tax because the gas tax is how everybody, uh, it's how you pay for roads. I mean, when you go fill up at the pump, you pay a federal tax and a state tax 
And that tax is what is used to pave the roads and build the roads. Electric vehicles don't do that. And so now you've got a lot of states that are doing mileage taxes for electric vehicles. You, you switch to hydrogen. To some degree, you're going to have the same situation, although the, you will fill up at the pump. I, I, I got to tell you, though, I'm, I'm fascinated by hydrogen. So when I was a kid, this is how much of a nerd I was. My, my parents, if they're listening right now, will appreciate the story. I had a massive chemistry set when I was a kid. Now, for perspective, I know what you're thinking when you, you think of like a chemistry set. And after 9-11, you couldn't get the good stuff anyway. But when I was a kid in Dubai, I would save my money and I'd go to the chemical store. And I was not buying little vials. I was buying like like liter bottles of hydrochloric acid, massive containers of chemicals. And I had like uh, the, the Bunsen, I had the test. I was a nerd. I loved chemistry. To this day, I love chemistry. I've always loved chemistry. Because you mix them. And that's why I love cooking. Cooking is chemistry. You get recipes in grams, and you can make the same thing pretty much all the time. Control for temperature and, like, uh, sourdough baking and stuff. All it is is chemistry. I love it. And I would produce hydrogen so I would have my friends come over for birthdays. And instead of filling up balloons with helium, I would fill the balloons up with hydrogen. Now, the hydrogen leaks through quicker because it's such a tiny atom. But we would blow up the balloons, and they would just massive fireballs. It was fantastic. Take some zinc and hydrochloric acid, put it in a test tube, put the balloon over it. It fills up with hydrogen. You tie it off. You stick a match to it. Stand back far. I'd put a candle at the end of a yardstick, and boom, big fireballs. It was glorious. I loved it. That's the concern. Everybody remembers the Hindenburg video. Even, even me, who was not alive at the time, the Hindenburg balloon, it blows up, so people are scared of hydrogen because hydrogen is very explosive. But there are ways to transport it stably and use it in fuel cells. It is highly efficient, has a lot of energy in it, and it just seems to me that that is the future. And by the way, when you combine it with oxygen, it produces water. And I know, I guarantee you, that the next major outrage by the left and catastrophe of the left will be, oh my gosh, everybody's driving hydrogen fuel cells, spitting out all this water. We've got all this water. We're all going to flood. We're all going to die. These things, it's foreseeable they're going to be upset. They really, at the end of the day, most of the environmentalist movement, at least the loudest voices, the ones that control it, they just want to control your life. They don't want you to be mobile. They don't want you to procreate. They really just want you to shut up and die. And that's what's moving so many people to the right, among other things. We'll get to that when we come back. Howdy, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. We will be emailing out my monologue about uh, what the left is doing to Toyota and to the rest of the automotive industry through ESG Agenda shortly. If you want it, uh, if you missed it, text DATA to 33777. Subscribe to the daily email and you'll get that in your inbox here shortly. Okay, uh, back to Tim's phone call from earlier. He was talking about uh, being a black voter, uh, trying to talk to members of his community about what's going on in the world, that if it's not a Democratic talking point, they don't want to hear it. There is data. Nate Cohen of the New York Times has a story. Millennials are not the exception. They've moved right. Fifteen years ago, a new generation of young voters propelled Barack Obama to a decisive victory that augured a new era of democratic dominance. 15 years later, those once young voters aren't so young and aren't quite so Democrat. 
In the 2020 presidential election, voters who were 18 to 29 in 2008 backed Biden 55-43. Half the margin Barack Obama got 12 years earlier. The exit polls show it even closer with Biden winning just 51-45 of those who had been 18 to 27. And last fall, the young voters of 2008, by then 32 to 43, preferred Democratic congressional candidates by just 10 points. The shift toward the right among young voters who propelled Barack Obama to victory 15 years ago was part of a larger pattern. Over the last decade, almost every cohort of voters under 50 has shifted to the right. Political folklore has long held that voters become more conservative as they get older, but it's nonetheless at odds with a wave of recent reports or studies suggesting otherwise. The Financial Times wrote millennials has shattered the oldest rule in politics by not moving to the right. Democratic data firm Catalyst found Democrats essentially haven't lost ground among millennials or Gen Z in the last decade. These findings have helped spark a new wave of speculation about whether the long-awaited era of Democratic dominance might be at hand. But a different story emerges by tracking the same cohort of voters over time. Y'all, this always happens. This always happens. The older you get, the more conservative you get. There is a truth you need to understand. Every voter is a conservative about that which they know best. Every conservative or every voter is a conservative about that which they know best. You know more and more about life as you get older, you become more conservative. That does not mean you become an evangelical, Bible-thumping conservative. doesn't mean that. But you become more conservative over time. You become a person with a family. It's one reason the left discourages families. You become more conservative as you have kids. I have to tell you, I've got a, a friend of mine. <laughs> so I've got a friend. This friend is a liberal. This friend is an unapologetic liberal. This friend texted me happy pride day for my birthday, liberal. And he was complaining to me about how scantily clad his daughter dresses. That he is really uh, abhors TikTok and social media and the things his kid is learning. And this is a liberal who is upset with cultural indoctrination of his child. And I might add, given what this person does for a living, is part of the cultural contamination of what our children do. I mean, he's, he's, he's in the Hollywood set, and he's upset about it. People are conservative about the things they know the best. You know your kids best, therefore you're conservative about your kids generally. Now, there are certainly exceptions to the rule. There's someone out there saying, not me, not me. I am super progressive. About all. I'm not talking about you, you being the exception. All of the data suggests, all of the data shows you get more conservative over time. All of this great liberal chest puffery about how younger generations are hyper-liberal. Okay, yes, 
but they're going to get older and they're going to get wiser and they're going to get something called a paycheck and they're going to see something on the paycheck called the withholding statement and they're going to get a W-2 and they're going to realize how much has been pulled out of their paycheck over time and it's going to make them mad when they realize the government is funding their research into queer butterflies in Zambia as opposed to actually funding the military. Um, these things matter and the data just shows it is so. The shift to the right is more modest among younger voters, but they grow up too. They see the failures of government over time. The young people who in 2020 were marching to the streets over George Floyd. Fast forward 10 years, they're going to be worried about crime. They're going to be worried about their kids. They're going to be worried about education. They're going to realize the things they fought for in the streets. They're not necessarily getting better. And it makes them more conservative. And then there is the non-white voter. There was a lot of good news for the Democrats in the 2022 election cycle from holding the Senate to remaining stubbornly competitive in the House. But as more data becomes final, it's clear black turnout was not one of those feel-good stories for the party. The evidence raises the distinct possibility that the black share of the electorate in 2022 sank to its lowest level since 2006. It certainly did in states like Georgia and North Carolina. The relatively low turnout is not a surprise. But it portends catastrophe for Democrats in the years ahead. This is the same Nate Cohen who is telling us about the millennials. You see, black voters in this country are at a point where they're not ready fully to become Republicans. Some are. Some are moving to the right with their votes. A lot of them, however, are just not voting Democrat. They're just staying home. They're sitting it out. They don't want anything to do with it. And that's having ramifications as well for the Democratic Party. Hispanic voters are more likely to go on and move to the GOP. Black voters are just likely to sit it out for a little while. And what the data shows, does not suggest, but actually shows with black and Hispanic voters is they're not small government conservators. They're not me. They're okay with government. They they think government has done their communities good. But what they are really upset about is an expansionist, culturally progressive government. It is not popular to say, but it is true. The trans issue, transgenderism, does not play well with black and Hispanic voters. For a variety of reasons, it's not just the absurdity of it. It's the bullying nature of the trans community. It's off-putting to them. 
but they also see something that you and I don't see as well. Black and Hispanic voters see something on this issue that you and I, if you're white, you don't see as well as they do. And it is that it is overwhelmingly a group of white men who are pushing the issue on everyone else, and they react viscerally to that. They react viscerally to the idea of a group of white dudes deciding they're women, and now all of us have to take it seriously. They don't like that. They don't like it, particularly black voters. They do not like the trans issue being compared to the civil rights issues of the 50s and 60s. The fact of the matter is, my bold statement of the day that gets me in trouble, but you don't need a bumper sticker on the back of your car to tell someone that you're gay. And more often than not, you don't need one on the back of your car to tell people they're tra- you're trans either. We see the Adam apple. We know. You don't, or rather, you do need the bumper sticker on the back of the car to tell people you're gay, but you don't need the bumper sticker on the back of your car to tell people you're black. If you're if you're gay, we don't know it unless you put the bumper sticker on the back of your car generally. But if you're black, you don't need the bumper sticker to tell people you're black. We see it. So to equate the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s where based on your skin color, There were places you couldn't go and places you couldn't sit and things you couldn't do. It offends them. The data is there. Now, a lot of liberals don't like to talk about the data. They deny the data. They say the data is not real, but the data is there. And it's the same with the trans issue. Telling A black family, their daughter, may be denied a sports scholarship to college. The first child who might get that scholarship might be denied it because a boy who's decided he's a girl is going to compete in track and field or swimming or you name it. That makes people very mad. Telling a mom and a dad that their daughter may have boys in the locker room, but the boy thinks he's a girl, that doesn't go well, doesn't go over well with moms and dads. This is just this is just truth. And the truth is it's those cultural issues that are driving these people to the right. They tend to be more conservative culturally, even if they don't vote conservative. They tend to be uh, more regular churchgoers. They tend to be people who take their faith seriously. They don't like it when major corporations hire Satanists to make their pride outfits. It's causing a cultural backlash. And as the upper echelons of the Democratic Party get wider and richer, they're more likely to listen to those donors. And in that case, they alienate the poorer non-white voters. It becomes a huge issue. And one that it just remarkably, remarkably, the Democratic Party and the media, part of the Democratic Party, has become tone deaf too, and they belittle them. So you have millennials who are shifting to the right. You have black and Hispanic voters who are shifting to the right. You have Asian voters who are shifting to the right, particularly Korean voters. Korean voters tend to be some of the uh, biggest Christian voters in the country. The largest Presbyterian church in the world are in South Korea. 
there's a massive cultural shift in the way, and we're all kind of in the cross currents of it. It is kind of weird to think the Republican Party has for so long, for a long time, was called the Episcopal Party at prayer. It was just the the, the gentrified white people is suddenly becoming the party, the blue-collar voters of, of the non-white voters. It's becoming where the Democratic Party was. The currents, cross-currents, run and collide and cause rapids and ripples and waves, and we're just kind of caught up observing the thing. But the Democratic Party has thought it was dominant and overplayed its hand in the process. And the result is a cultural backlash, backlash not, not just from black voters and Hispanic voters and Asian voters, but from uh, blue-collar white voters. This backlash against the Democratic Party is coming uh, from all areas except upper-income white voters who don't go to church, who are becoming more progressive and in the process pushing black voters and Hispanic voters out of the Democratic Party and into the waiting hands of the GOP. It's taking longer for black voters to get there, but they're still headed in that direction. One of the groups that is out there making waves, helping the conservative movement, uh, developing relationships in uh, non-white communities and in small business communities and on Main Street is Americans for Prosperity. And I hope you might consider getting involved with Americans for Prosperity. They genuinely are the grassroots group in America. Uh, They go out of their way to help small businesses and small government and uh, conservative activists get involved. They want you to be involved. They've got 36 state chapters. They've got over 4 million advocates in 50 states. They've knocked on 1.58 million doors since 2022. They've had over 200 legislative victories in 2022. And they want you to be a part of their army of activists going around the country, knocking on doors, learning how to talk to state legislators, being involved in moving states to the right where small government matters. You can be a part of it. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Sign up with them. Take action. Learn about them. Become a member. There's probably a state chapter. they got 36 states. And if they don't have one in your state, they might build one in your state, and you might be on the ground helping them do it. Grow an army of conservative activists around the state, around the states who knock on doors, who get involved in local legislative issues, who get involved in city issues. Become a better, sharper, more focused conservative activist with Americans for Prosperity. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. Sign up with them. Become one of their activists. Learn how to be a better activist with Americans for Prosperity. Listener George, no, I'm sorry, listener Bill sent me this uh, email and a link from May of 2009. Uh, Barack Obama canceled a plan by George W. Bush to develop uh, hydrogen fuel cell powered cars. It was a $1.2 billion development fund made available to the private sector by George Bush and ditched by Barack Obama, who decided that uh, instead we would go full battery power. Battery electrics as opposed to fuel cells. Um, so Obama had a lot to do with this. I, y'all, when you listen to the environmentalist movement, what you find are a group of people who are all about control. They want to control you. They want to reduce your lifestyle. They want to reduce population. They want to restrict the amount of children you can have. They want you to eat bugs. 
They don't want you to take vacations and fly anywhere. You got to stay in your backyard, live locally. Uh, There's there's a lot to commend in like farm-to-table movements, local organic movements, but you can't feed the world that way. I know there are people who claim you can, but you cannot at a reasonable price point. And the left wants to drive up our costs while controlling us. We went through a global pandemic not three years ago where people who lived in cities were the hardest hit because the virus spread, uh, spread on uh, commuter trains. It spread in crowded offices. I mean, to this day, we have a situation with a bunch of people refusing to go back to the office because of a virus three years ago. And yet the left solution is to crowd us all into cities and control us from there. All of it is about control. It's not really about saving the planet. It's about controlling your life. And to the extent a fuel cell could get you across the country efficiently, a battery can't get you across town without having to charge up. And that keeps you local. And that's a good thing for the left. That's a real problem. Deeply frustrating. All right. I'm glad to be back with you guys. I had a good vacation, but it's nice to be back back in the seat um, and back behind the microphone. So I'll be with you tomorrow. One thing I do want you to know is we are uh, starting to invite all the presidential candidates to come onto the show. So you'll start hearing some of their voices as we start reaching out to them and scheduling interviews in the run-up to the gathering in August in Atlanta. Uh, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great rest of the day. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.